Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in our midst. We are um, so blessed to have the Shetlers with us this weekend, and uh, I'm going to let them do the talking. Would you please welcome them as they come? <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay, yeah, so we're the Shetlers. I'm Ashley, and this is Jay, my husband. We have three kids who are in the kids program right now. Odelia is turning five next month. Um, she's the little one in the white dress. I have Rosie, who's nine months, and Witness, who is two. And uh, these are our special kids. You probably saw Witness hopping up on stage, me getting him off of stage. Rosie's our smiliest, and Odelia is, is really bold and just a lot of fun. Um, she got those brand new high heel shoes yesterday and was jumping off of the stage with them. So if that tells you anything about her personality, she's full of, of vigor and bravery and creativity. Um, we have had the privilege of being with you guys while we were serving in China. Uh, we served in China for 14 years, and it was honestly... It's one of the greatest privileges of our lives to have gotten to do that. We're so honored that we got to do it with you guys. And so before we share about the next thing that God is launching us into, uh, we wanted to just say thank you. Thank you for being there with us. <laughs> well, our, our pleasure. We, we wanted to share... Uh, three-minute, three-and-a-half-minute video that is something we put together this past year as we've made a transition from China to a new place, a new calling that we feel like the Lord is, is leading us into, and we'll share about that today some. Um, but really, this is, in some ways for us, like a three-minute snapshot of what we laid down in these 14, 15 years that we were uh, working in China. And we wanted to, just before we watch it, like we got to work with most, almost every one of these people personally and you guys have a part in that. As you guys have been supporting us and enabling us to go, uh, you guys have a share in these as well. I'm going to uh, put my microphone on the speaker. I've always been grateful for meeting you guys in my college. It is you who helped me know God. I feel, you know, hopeful and boldness from the deep of my heart and I, I really feel love. This is where you first met me and share the, the greatest news, the greatest story with me. presentation continued with video footage and pictures telling of salvations and water baptisms abounding. Bathtubs, pools, and tanks have never had a better use.
it's so special getting to reflect back on that with you guys, the wonderful things that God has done. I get emotional when I see it because it's so personal. God is so personal, and how wonderful the things that he accomplished, the lives that he changed and touched. And this is a special moment for us with you guys today as, as a church family. You know, we're coming from, we st I started when I was 22 in China. Right, we laid down our lives in China for 14 years. God led us through the pandemic of 2020, getting locked out of China, coming back here, not knowing what the next step was, and now getting ready to launch out into a new field. And you guys have been on that journey the entire time. And it's really special. And today, it feels like for me, you know, I was reflecting with Jay in the car on the way up here on Friday, that it's a significant moment. We're getting ready to launch out into to Northern Africa, to Morocco. And I feel as though my family and I were like at the edge of a precipice and we're about to just leap right off of that precipice. And after that, there is really no going back. And I feel so aware that this moment right here, right now, this is my... This is my last time with you guys for the foreseeable future. Like, I have no idea when the next time we will be able to see you again in person is. And that feels so weighty to me. That's real. You guys are, you guys are sending us out. And we're excited, a little nervous, but mostly excited. And I feel like it's an opportunity for us to, to fold you in to this new, this new thing that we're doing in Morocco. And we want you to be close to us in it. And we want to leave you, I want to leave you with something special and close to my heart. Just a love and a value for the nations. And I felt like God gave it to me in, in a sentence. And he said for me to share that the pursuit of the nations is worth it because Jesus is worthy. The pursuit of the nations is worth it because Jesus is worthy. He is so worthy. He desires a bride from every tribe, tongue, and nation. He is a longing for his lost sons and daughters who are trapped in darkness and do not have access to the good news of Jesus. He is a burning for this bride, for this dream, and he is worthy of anything it costs to give it to him. He's worthy of our lives. He's worthy of our early mornings and our late nights. He is worthy of traveling long distances, of moving our family. He is worthy of it all. And that is, with my with my time and in this last moment with you guys like I hope you can catch a piece of that that whatever it costs he is worth it and that this pursuit is a worthy pursuit because of his greatness and goodness thank you yes, I'm going to turn it over to Jay who's going to be sharing more specifically about the nations and about Morocco and how you guys can be standing with us in that How long do you guys, how late, when do you guys usually go till in the mornings? <laughs> okay. I'll, uh, I'll cut this in half. We'll do that <laughs> since 11 isn't like three minutes. Um, 
kind of going off with what Ashley shared, um, there were two guys back in the early 1700s, there, uh, a guy named David, another guy named uh, John, and they were with the Moravians. And so they heard a plight of slaves in St. Thomas in the Caribbean that how they were really hunger, hungry, uh, like spiritually, that they wanted to know God, but the, the situation was set up that the slave owners would not allow the slaves to like go to church or like interact with people that were not slaves. They just wanted to like keep them working and doing their thing. And they heard about this and like, wow, there's nobody to go tell these slaves. Like we, this, this, we need to do something about this. So, so these two guys, even though they realized that they would need to sell themselves into slavery, said, hey, we'll go. And so they got in a boat, anticipating that this, these are the last moments that they have uh, with their family. They're going to sell themselves into slavery. They're going to go across the world. And they were in Europe at the time. So here they are on the boat. It's starting to, to push away off the dock, and their friends and family are standing there. And everybody's weeping. Their, their family are thinking things like, was this extreme sacrifice wise? for them to do this? Was it, was it necessary? But the, the, as the two guys were on the boat and they're watching their friends and family, they, they linked arms and they raised their fists and they shouted, May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. And the thing that was in their heart was the thing that Ashley was talking about, that Jesus is worthy. He is worthy. If, if we look at Revelation 7, verse 9, it says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one can number, from every nation, from tr all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. You have this picture of all tribes and all tongues and all nations. This is Jesus giving a revelation to John about the end times. This is him saying, in the end, in the throne room, this is what I see. I see people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. I want that. If you look at Matthew twenty four fourteen, it says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed through the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. There's this thing that Jesus... It's so important to him to have people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation represented there that he's saying, I'm not coming back. I, I'm not declaring the finish line until we have someone from all of those places. And, and you see that picture in the throne room, people all around. Sometimes I think about, like, I get caught up in worship every once in a while in certain settings where there's a bunch of people worshiping and different things happening. Like, have you ever thought about what that looks like? I don't know if, like, all our languages are going to be the same, but, like, if they're not, you have, like, our brothers and sisters were sharing about uh, Tanzania earlier. You know, they have, like, expressive drum beats. So you have, like, drums and stuff going over here. You have, like, harps and lyres from David's time over here. You have everybody's worshiping, and there's just this, like, just this beautiful noise going towards God of everybody worshiping all together. And sometimes it'll hit me of just, like, wow, that's going to be so amazing and so cool. Just everybody in their own ways, in their own time period, just worshiping the Lord. And for those things, I think it's important. You know, we're going to Morocco. Morocco is one of, in, in an area of some of the least resource um, 
countries and areas in, in missions that it's important for us to go. Like, it is important to God. It's on his heart that those people in those places would be there in that time. It's important to him. So where is the world at now? Like, if it's that important to him, you have about a third of the world that is Christian, that knows him, follows him. You have about a third of the world that has access to the gospel, but has yet to choose it. And you have about a third of the world that is yet unreached and really no access to the gospel. I shared this last night. All people, like there are people here that are lost and far from God. There are people here that need the gospel. I would say all people are equally lost, but not all people are equally needy. What do I mean by that? I did a quick Google Maps search uh, yesterday before I came, and in a, you could drive about 15, 20 minutes from here, this location, and you can get to about 25 plus different churches that are presumably preaching the gospel and, and, and uh, doing a good job at bringing the kingdom. 25 churches in this area. If you could compare that to what it's like in Morocco, you would, like, Morocco is like if you took New York, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine, roughly that population, roughly that geography. Think about the big cities in there, New York City, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and you gave them five to ten churches. So that's maybe like New York gets two. So we get one church down in New York City for the couple, several million people that are down there, and we put the other one in like Syracuse, and anybody, everybody else has to try to drive to Syracuse, but the church is underground, and good luck finding it there. Like, that's what it's like. There is not a presence there. And there are many places like this in the world. Like, where are missionaries—Joshua Project says this. The vast majority of mission prayer, giving, and laborers focuses on strengthening Christians where Christians are already present. Only a tiny portion of mission prayer and resources goes to the unreached people groups at all. And only a tiny fraction of this goes to frontier peoples, peoples that would be 0.2% Christian or less. Very few mission agencies and churches send even 1% of their missionaries to frontier peoples. So for this third of the world that is yet, yet is not reached yet, it doesn't have the gospel, there's no one to tell them, there's, there's, they don't have a, a brother or a cousin or a grandma that believes less than 3% of the missionaries that are going out are going there. Less than 1% are going to those most needy places. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Can I get a—I uh, need, like, seven or eight people to come up to the front. Just, like, real quick. I need some, some volunteers. I need some more, a couple more. All right. This will work. Okay, can I have you—what's your name? Tom. Tom. Okay, can you stand over here and everybody else over here? Okay, what I want you guys to do is imagine that there is a huge, big log lying on the ground here. And you guys are all going to pick, grease down, and pick up that log. So would you do that? Okay, pick it up. Tom, get it get your side. Okay, okay, okay. So we need one person. Can I get a volunteer? Okay. I need you. Can you go, can you go over and help them? Where, where do you think they need most help? The easiest spot, obviously, would be over with these guys. But right, Tom needs help. There's nobody on his side. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys so much. Let me go back to your seats. Give them a hand. 
the world is kind of like this. Like, it, it's worse than this picture, but you have, like, the places on this side of the line, obviously this side of the line, like, America needs workers. They need people that are going out and uh, pastoring and sharing the gospel. But there's portions of the world that they just, there's no one over here on this side of this log to help. We need people that are willing to intercede for and go to and lay their lives down on this side of the log. And there's an element of this that is obviously a bummer that like, man, we want, we want to send more missionaries to the places that need it the most, right? But there's an, a part of it that is good in a way in that a hundred years ago, this wasn't the case. A hundred years ago, those places, there's so many places that weren't reached before that because people did go are reached now. Yeah, praise God. So for us, we've been taking this and saying like, okay, God, how do you want to use our lives? This past year, we kind of were faced with like, okay, we don't know when China is going to open to us. And so we, we took some time to pray and we felt like the Lord showed us this picture of this door closing on China for us, at least for now. And so we made the decision, hey, we're not going to go back to China, but now what? We, uh, at the time, honestly, we, we, we wrestled with all kinds of stuff. You know, do we want to go into business? Do we want to start a business? Do we want to get jobs? Do we want to keep doing missions? Do we want to pastor here? Like, what, what, do you, what would you have for us, Lord? And during that time, he really, um, he really, I think, encouraged our hearts. He met us in that place, and he lit a fire in us of like, no, we're called to the missions. We're called to go be a light in dark places. That's something Ashley, when, when she first got saved, someone spoke that over her. She didn't even know what prophecy was. The Lord told her, like, hey, listen to this. This is prophecy. And he saw this picture of the Lord saying, I'm going to make you a light in dark places. Ten years ago, I had a dream. I was in China. I had a literal dream, and it was a map of North Africa. And the only only country that was labeled there was Morocco. Morocco. And the map was kind of like curved like a world and zoomed in and kept zooming in, zooming in, zooming in until I was standing in kind of a rural location, presumably in Morocco. And then it shifted and I was in a city and there was a team of people and we were jumping kind of like super high through this city. And then the dream ended. And so it was, it was like, wow, like that was really vivid. Uh, keep in mind before this, I didn't know where Morocco was. Like, I couldn't have shown it to you on a map. And so I had to go look it up on Google and be like, is that in the right? Like, was the map in my dream the same? And it was. So that's a good start. And uh, about a week or two later, we were uh, kind of doing a debrief activity. And so this is, uh, it was an activity where we went and, and picked a puzzle piece out of uh, just a basket at random and came back and we wrote some stuff on it. And we were going to put it up and make a world map. And so, sure enough, as I went to put my piece up, you couldn't see until you put it up, but I had the Morocco piece. And I was like, wow. That's like, I just had this dream a week or two ago. I just have this, like, Lord, I think you're saying something to me about Morocco. Um, but at the time, I really didn't know what to do with it. And so I kind of said, Lord, it's, I'm willing to go. You need to make this happen. And I kind of put it on the back burner. Fast forward to this past year. Lord, where do we go? Like, we, we, our hearts are burning for missions. Our hearts are burning for the lost and the unreached. Where do we go? And we remembered that dream and said, well, we started praying about it, and we felt like, yes, this is what the Lord has given us for now. And as we, uh, I forgot to move the slide. As we uh, uh, were praying about this, we felt like, hey, why don't we take a scouting trip? 
So uh, another guy and I went to Morocco back in September for two weeks. And uh, all these pictures are from there, but in the bottom right-hand corner, you see a sign with kind of two arrows. The top arrow points to the Mediterranean Ocean, the bottom one to the Atlantic Ocean, the Mediterranean Sea, Atlantic Ocean. And uh, we were standing, and it, you know, it's beautiful, and a friend that we were with said, hey, turn around from here. So we turned around. There was a big hill. He's like, if you can see through this hill, the area from right here, this point, all the way to Egypt— is the least resource area in missions. You can see on that map there, Morocco's in the kind of tannish, and then over there you have Algeria, Tunisia, Libya. Meaning, not that necessarily there's the most amount of unreached peoples that haven't heard the gospel yet, uh, but, like, if you take Turkey, Turkey is also very unreached. Uh, lots of refugees there, lots of reason to be there. There are around 1,200 missionaries that are in Turkey trying to plant churches and bring, bring the, the gospel, bring the kingdom. In Jordan, there are about 1,500. In Morocco, there's 30 to 40. And so, like, this, this juxtaposition, in, Turkey has two and a half times the population, two, two and a half times the population, and 30 times the workers. Jordan has a third of the population and 40 times the workers. Those places need the gospel. They need missionaries. I'm so happy those ones are, go- the people that are going are going but there's a, a sort of neglect of this area in North Africa. And to us, we felt like, hey, like we have this dream, like why not us? Like we can go and be a part of changing that, those pictures and go to this place that is so unreached, 0.1% reached, that has, there's 12 different people groups here that are only found in Morocco. And, and they're, they go something like this. The Gil Bedouins are 0.00% Christian. The Yahuwah Bedouins are 0.00 Christian. The Drawa Berbers are 0.01% Christian. The Gomara Berbers are 0.00 Christian. Like, all of them, I have them all here. They, they go like this. There are not Christians there. There's no one to tell them. We have uh, been privileged to partner with Initiative. So we're missionaries with Elon Fellowship. And we have been, and we will continue to be. But they have this initiative called the Gateway Project, where there's about nine different organizations that are kind of banding together to send teams into these hundred, they call them gateway cities, where if, the idea is that if you're in these cities, you have proximity, and you'll have these unreached pe- the remaining unreached peoples of the world coming to these cities for work and for different things as the world becomes more urban. And so we are the first team that they're sending out into Morocco, uh, we will be having a another family. One of the things that we are praying about and praying for uh, before we, uh, or as we were praying, was like, Lord, we were willing to go. Like, but it would sure be nice if you had some teammates for us, some people to go with us. And so there's another family that they also had kind of over 10 years ago. They had a prophetic word that the, the person literally was saying, like, I feel like you're supposed to work with Muslims in Morocco or Algeria. And they were praying, they, when they heard us, say, we wanted to go. They're like, okay, we'll pray about it. And they felt like, yes, so we're teaming up with them. We had a cool experience where our families really uh, worked together when we got locked out of China. We were living in a house together. They had a room. We had a room, kind of sharing dinners and stuff. Um, And so we're really thankful that they're coming with us. Um, We'll be in China. We were church planning. We were um, sharing the gospel. We were discipling. And our whole strategy was to 
kind of make disciples that would multiply, make disciples that they could also share their faith. They could also disciple others that would turn into churches that would also multiply. And we're going to be doing the same thing here, not exclusively with college students, um, but really what Morocco needs at this, at this start phase as we go in is gospel proclamation. They need people to go and share the good news. When we feel like we have that expertise, we have that faith that God is going to go before us and move. Um, Matt, uh, this is a guy, he, he's the, the husband, the father of the other family. He's in green. Uh, he's the one that went on the short-term trip with me. We went and we got to share with uh, the guy in the button-up shirt, Abdel Moomin. And uh, the next day, we asked him if he would be willing to, like, interested in reading, like, about Jesus with us. Read the Gospels. And he said, sure. And so we had prayed for him for an ankle injury. And the next day he came, and that was, like, all healed. He didn't have a scratch anymore. And he sat down with us, and we started looking at a story about Jesus. And he was listening intently. And after we got done, he said, can we look at another story about Jesus? And we did another one after that. He sat with us two hours while he was technically supposed to be working um, until he finally had to, like, go and enough people were coming that he had to leave. But we just felt so privileged that the Lord already, even on this short two-week trip that we're going to scout location and kind of see, scout the land, that we got to see a little bit of what the Lord is doing there. That turns into discipleship, which then turns into church planning. And uh, so from now until we have plane tickets August 10th, that we're going to be going to a training in Thailand with the Gateway Project. It's kind of a three-month thing that they will be uh, helping us with different things. But one of the things that we're, I think we're particularly excited about is they have one of the teams coming in is specializes in, in third culture kids. And so they're going to be working with our kids. There's a special like, kind of training for them as they are like, adjusting to this new culture. And really for us, we brought Odilia to China when she was less than one, and she kind of turned one there. Yeah, she was three months old when we, when we brought her. And, uh, but she didn't really, like, have to go through stuff that she's having to go through now. She didn't have to, like, leave her friends and leave her church and leave her bed. Like, these are all things that are, like, important to her. Leave her stuffies. Um, it's, a, it's a big deal. Um, she has a lot, and they're all, like, little people. So we have some people coming in that are going to be working with our families on, on a bunch of different topics, but we feel grateful for that time. Right now, while we're in the States, we're learning French in Morocco. They predominantly speak uh, Moroccan Arabic, uh, but... Okay. Uh, but it's not written. It's, it's, not, it's just a spoken kind of everyday language. And uh, so for government stuff, for business stuff, for like housing contracts that you're signing, it's all done in French. And so we're taking the time now while we're here and as we're raising support to go uh, to... Uh, learn French as best we can. A lot of times that we're here in the States and we're sharing about Morocco and the different stuff that we're walking into, people ask us, like, oh, what are your needs? What do you, what do you need? And the thing that we honestly need most is monthly support, monthly financial partners. We uh, need to raise about 3000 more uh, dollars a month before we go. And really, that's our biggest need. But as we're going around to different places and talking with different people, we're, we're looking for two kinds of people. And sometimes they're the same person. But the first, one, the first ones are prayer warriors. They're people that will pray for us. They'll pray for our kids. They'll pray for the gospel to go forth. 
the whatever needs we have, that they're going to be standing with us, holding the gap, lifting us up. The second type of person that we need is financial partners. Ones that are going to say, hey, the Lord's blessed me, or not, but I, I, I feel like I want to go with you, and this is a way that I can do it. And so we wanted to ask you guys today, if we wanted to give a moment just to ask you, would you consider, are you one of these two people? Would you pray with us? Would you pray for our kids? Would you pray for us as we're sharing the gospel? Would you pray for Abdel Mumin? Would you give? Would you partner with us monthly? And I want to encourage you today, if the Lord, if, you, if there's anything that we're sharing that there's like a, a burning in your heart, like I want to be included in this, I want to be a part of this, don't let that just sit with it today. Take action on that. You can, uh, we have a, a, a website set up, just links to our Elam Fellowship giving page. That's givetotheshetlers.com. You can go there and give any amount. You can give one time. You can give regularly. Um, so that's give to the .com. And then if you if you feel like, hey, I want to, you can put in your email address when you give there, and we'll put you on our, our updates so you can get our prayer requests. But if you just feel like, hey, I, I don't, I'm not able to give right now, but I want to be praying, come and talk to us. We have like a list that we can put you on and get you connected with us. There's just one last thing I want to be able to share. Um, as we are closing up our time quickly today. I understand, I feel like God has allowed me to understand over these last three years being in the States how tough it is to stay engaged with something like this. These are people that you're probably never going to meet. And the daily demands of life, right? School, jobs, your kids, your house, these are worthy things. These are worthy of your time and energy, right? And they're very consuming sometimes. Very consuming sometimes, right? Kids, we love kids so much, but wow, right? And like daylight savings time, anybody? <laughs> and, and no one to told me about that or warned me. And so like last night, right before I was going to bed, I was like, oh, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we get it. I get it. I understand how tough it is to stay engaged. But this is one of those things, the pursuit of the nation's is worthy, a worthy pursuit because he is the worthy one, right? And I had a picture as I was praying for this time that I want to share with you guys because I think it's going to hit home with somebody or some buddies in this room. I had a vision, a picture in my mind of a man in like business casual type clothes, khakis, a button-up shirt, um, and he is someone who wants to pray for the nations, who wants to be someone who prays, but literally does not, doesn't really know how to start, doesn't know how to cultivate it, doesn't know how to do it. But he goes into his room, and I just see this man on his knees beside his bed. And in that moment, he wants to pray. He doesn't know how to start, but then suddenly I see God meet him. And when God meets him, all of this stuff just comes flooding out of his heart. And it's about him, his desires, his world, his dreams, his insecurities, his fears, everything. All of himself in front of Jesus. And Jesus is right there. And I can see Jesus' eyes looking down at this man. And he says to him, do you want to open this gift? 
And the man in my, in my vision, my picture, my mind's eye, he knows that it's okay to say no. Jesus is still going to love him no matter what he says. Nothing is going to change that. But actually, what's in his heart is a desire to say yes. He wants to engage with this part of God's heart. And I think that that is something that he has an invitation extended out to me and our family, but also to this family, this house. He has an invitation extended to you. Do you want to know this part of his heart? Do you want to carry this burden with him? Do you want to feel what he feels? Do you want your heart to break through the things that is breaking his heart today? The lost people who are, who are separated and apart from him, who are trapped in Islam, who are trapped in darkness, who need him. And I want to pray, and I just want to extend out that invitation. Lord, I feel you drawing me, myself, closer to you in this. And I know that you're looking at me and at us here today, and that you're saying, do you want this? Do you want to know this part of me? And I know for me, in my heart, I want to say yes. I want to know that part of you. I want to stand in the gap. But I know there are others in this room who are crying out and saying, yes, I want that gift too. Teach me to pray. Show me how. Lord, I just extend out grace over this body, over each person who would feel something in their hearts, crying out, yes, that's me, I want that. Lord, that you would show us how, that you would draw us near, that you would expose all of our hearts and put us on the table before you and just say, here I am. Draw us closer to you. Enable us to stand with you in the things that your heart longs for. You are worthy. You are the worthy one. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys so much. Uh, If you would just stand to your feet, and if you can extend your hands to these guys, I just got the sense today as you were talking, a fresh sense that you are stepping out in faith, and we are joining you in that. It's mountain-moving faith that we're joining you in. And so, Father, we just bless, we bless your obedient servants. We thank you that only by faith are you pleased. It's impossible to please you without faith. We thank you for your faith working in Jay and Ashley and this family and being expressed in this way, stepping out and going where few have gone before. We bless your guard, your, your uh, protection on them. We bless your angels to be about them. We bless you making ways where there seems to be no way. And we bless you as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who makes himself visible financially, spiritually, in their bodies, in the protection of their kids, in their travels, in the name of Jesus. We bless you. Bless you. Amen. They are going to hang out a little bit. If you want to talk with them, you can. And I just want to give one more encouragement. Please go to that website and give whatever the Lord wants you to give. It is tax deductible if that matters to you. Amen. Bless you. Bye-bye. Oh, I don't want to say bye-bye yet. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I started going spiritually. like, do this. Okay. If, if those testimonies that we've heard today stirred you in some way to believe for something impossible, I want to invite you to come forward for prayer. It could be a matter of the heart. It could be a matter of the mind could be a matter of the body. Just come forward. We want to pray for you and see Jesus minister. 
Amen. Bye-bye. <laughs>